a lot of what makes these virtual plots of land sell for real world prices as if they were buying physical real estate is because you could do much of the same things with this virtual land as you can with physical land. I think that's a big disconnect that people don't understand. Welcome to House Rich, the real estate show. We talk to average people that have done above average things in real estate. The sponsor for today's show is House Rich, the official brand of home ownership. Use promo code POD for a discount at checkout. Today's episode, I'm super, super excited about. I'm excited about all episodes, but really, really this one. So um, it's about purchasing property in the metaverse, NFTs, crypto, what all that stuff is that you may have no idea about, kind of like me. And so I saw an article, you may have seen it too, like in November, where this company purchased like a plot of land like in the metaverse for for two point four million dollars, and I was like, I was like, one, why? I was like, how? I was like, who they buy from? I just had all these questions, so I started looking up experts online, and I came across uh, Jared, and so um, he's our guest today. He's going to break down a lot of things that you may have questions about, a lot of things you don't know you have questions about um, as well. So um, you tell the folks a little bit about yourself, Jared. Absolutely. My name is Jared T. Ross, and I'm a metaverse business consultant, which means I help you build, navigate, and profit in the metaverse of cryptocurrency, NFTs, and other related technology. Okay. And so how did you get into the topic in the first place? Like, how do you become like a, an expert in that space? Well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I All think right, the space right. is moving way too fast for people to be calling themselves an expert, especially as it relates to NFTs, which okay. is NFTs are these plots of digital land. We'll talk about that in a little okay. bit. But uh, I started back in cryptocurrency in 2017. Um, that's when I started getting into it. Then I got hit upside the head with the crash of early 2018. And I okay. kind of just dabbled in it from there on. I didn't really dive deep. Um, and then towards last year, uh, towards the beginning of last year of 2021, that's when I really started diving deep into it. And I realized where the space was going. And I actually dropped out of school to focus on the metaverse. And okay, I've doubled wow. down since then. Okay. And so I think that was a great answer because a lot of folks will, will not correct you when you call them an expert. That's a great answer because the space is moving so quickly. I think a lot of people, you know, jump on, they think they know this and that, but that was actually a great answer um, to me calling you an mm -hmm. expert. So just what, what is the metaverse to begin with? Like I know folks, you know, me, I heard about it when Facebook changed their name to meta. I think that's where a lot mm -hmm. of folks heard about it. Like what is the metaverse kind of in layman terms? Right. So everybody that you ask is going to give you a different answer. And right. every time hear somebody talking about it, they probably mean something different than okay. the next person. So it's very ill-defined. And put yourself in this position. Imagine you have to explain what the internet is to somebody in the year 1800. It's kind of hard to convey that message without truly understanding it. Gotcha. And the way we think about the internet, it's not any one particular website, any one particular uh, social media platform or internet service provider or gaming world, right? It's this interconnection of all these different technologies that allow this, this one place to exist. Okay. So the metaverse operates in a similar way. It's made up of a whole bunch of different technologies. Uh, we're talking about cryptocurrency, the blockchain, of course, NFTs, and yes, virtual worlds and virtual gaming. And, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality. So all types of different technology combining into this one ecosystem, which is the metaverse. And that's just my understanding. A lot of times when you hear people talk about the metaverse, what they are referring to is these virtual gaming worlds. If, if you or your audience have seen the movie Ready Player One, okay, that's yeah. an example of an immersive metaverse, right? It's like a more immersive version of the internet where you can walk around, talk with friends and, and have true ownership over those assets inside of that world. And so this metaverse, depending on who you ask, you're going to get a different understanding. But typically, when people are talking about it, when they talk about someone just bought some land in the metaverse, mm -hmm. they are referring to these virtual worlds. And understand that there's no one single metaverse right now. 
There's okay. all these microcosms of the metaverse. The truest embodiment has not been created yet. But okay. there's these microcosms, these virtual worlds like Somnium Space, Decentraland, Crypto Voxels, the Sandbox. These are all microcosms of the metaverse. So, so th- those four things you just said, what 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 are those? Those are like d- different like areas in the metaverse, or like what what are those four things you just brought up? Those are metaverses in and of themselves. They're okay. basically virtual games, right? Okay. These virtual worlds that you can enter inside of, and you can walk around. You can buy land. It's it's really based on the blockchain meaning you have true ownership of those in-game assets. So let's rewind a little bit. Let's think about the movie Ready Player One. Okay. That would be an example of a metaverse. It's just one of these virtual worlds. And within this virtual world, they have different areas. They have different planets even in in this virtual world. And all those assets inside of that virtual world, inside of the Ready Player One world, all those, the weapons that they have, the cars, the clothes, the homes, even their avatars, those are all actually NFTs if they were to be, if it were to be applied to the real world, okay. right? Those are NFTs. And these NFTs are just uniquely identifiable digital assets whose ownership can be proven on the blockchain. So any and everything can become an NFT. But when we think of the metaverse, we think of these immersive virtual worlds, all those assets inside the game that you can own, those would technically be NFTs. Okay. 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 That, that was a great breakdown. Thank you. And so like going back to the, the company that bought, I don't, I don't know if you know exactly who bought and all that, but what, what makes property valuable like in the, in the metaverse? Cause with like land in California, it's like, okay, there's the beach, there's the coastline. They're not making any more physical land. Like why is land even valuable to begin with? Right. In the metaverse? So most of these virtual worlds, they do have a limit on the amount of virtual land um, that's going to be created. However, theoretically you could just continue to expand that. Right. And sometimes I'm sure these games will expand and just keep adding more and more land. However, a lot of what makes these virtual plots of land sell for real world prices as if they were buying physical real estate is because you could do much of the same things with this virtual land as you can with physical land. I think that's a big disconnect that people don't understand is they're thinking, why would someone spend a hundred thousand or millions of dollars on a plot of virtual land that comes with no physical assets whatsoever? Well, the answer is because you can monetize it in the same way that you can physical land. Okay. So these brands will buy these plots of land because they can rent it out for people to host business conferences, to host concerts. They can put up ad space so that you can have sponsors. If you go and buy yourself a plot of land, you build something up on it, you can reach out to these other companies or other people and you can offer ad space on your land. And it depends on the virtual world, but some virtual worlds even have billboards that you can own as an NFT where you can allow people to put advertisements on. And you can also become a developer of this land because when you first buy that plot of land, it's just like a a blank plot of land. In most cases, you can sometimes buy already um, developed land, but you buy this virtual plot of land. It's just raw. There's nothing on it. And now someone needs to build on that, right? And so if you don't have the skills to go into a 3D modeling program and build your house or building, you have to hire somebody else. So you can now, there's architects specifically for the metaverse. Okay. Think of all the overhead that's going to eliminate for them yeah. as, they, as they start doing this. And so now you have these metaverse architects that get hired and paid just to develop this virtual plot of land, to build something on it to the client's needs. And so there's all these different ways that you can be monetizing this virtual land. A popular way of using it is if you're an artist, right? You build on this plot of land. You build just a museum or an art gallery. And you can embed your art NFTs inside of this place, right? Right on the wall. So people can walk into your building. They can click 
on your NFT art on the wall, and they can choose to buy it if they want. And so another reason why some land is more valuable is the location. Think about if you were getting into Airbnbs, for example, right? You want to get an apartment. You want to get that apartment near places of interest, near concert venues, near food spots, near this other famous place, right? And so in the metaverse, there's plots of lands that are points of interest. Snoop Dogg, for example, has a nice big plot of land in the metaverse called the Sandbox. Okay. And so the land value right around his spot just went up because yeah. he now owns that. He's going to have all these activities. He's going to drive all this foot traffic to that spot. And so now people want this these places near him so that they can take advantage of that foot traffic. So that's a reason that makes some uh, some plots of land more valuable than others. And who are people even buying the land from? Like when I when you buy a piece of land, like who are you even who are you buying the land from in the first place? You, you buy that from the from the developers. You buy that from the developers of that metaverse of that virtual world. Think of it like this: Have you ever played Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so imagine if you could go and buy an ammunition spot inside of Grand Theft Auto. Okay. In, in a multiplayer online world, right? So now you own that spot. Now you can be collecting like revenue as players go in there and buy weapons and buy upgrades and whatnot. So you would buy that plot of land directly from the game developers. Okay. Now, once that land has been sold from the game developers, like if I buy it from the game developer, now I own it. I can turn around and go sell it to another player if I want. So I can flip land as well. I don't even have to develop it if I don't want. I can just buy it early, wait until more attention comes to it, and then the price will be higher and i could flip that oh okay okay that make, makes sense okay so trying to kind of make sure i comprehend this for me and the audience so someone a developer forms the metaverse um hopefully they have a, a big name reputation that kind of makes the metaverse more valuable than if it were just like i don't know if i somehow created one and then okay then because more more valuable than folks purchase digital not digital real estate but virtual real estate within that that land is that kind of like a yeah yeah, okay. so so you and I, we can go and we can buy this virtual these virtual plots of land, either from the game developer directly, if they still have any for sale, or we can go to the secondary market and we can buy it from another person who already owns it. Gotcha. And then so with um, certain plots of, uh, is virtual real estate, am I using the right term when I say like, sure. okay, yeah. so with certain plots of like virtual real estate, you know, being like closer to like the, the sandbox well, I guess, why is it more valuable? Because I think in a, in a virtual world, like, can you just pop up anywhere? Like, you're not actually, like, walking somewhere or, you know, can you just move right. around? It, it totally around? depends. And this is, a, this is another aspect that makes certain plots of land more valuable because there are going to be spawn points. So when you first join a game, right, okay. you spawn, you end up in a certain area. So most of these virtual worlds will have, like, a, a central location, like a town center where all new players are going to spawn by default. And if you get land around that area, okay. that's going to be more valuable because of that foot traffic. And in some virtual worlds, you will have to literally walk to all these different yes, spots, yeah. walk or fly. But some worlds will have teleporters, right? They'll have like teleporter stations where you can, you walk into a teleporter, you end up in another part of the map. Now, if you can be around those teleporters, again, another opportunity to have higher property value because you're near one of these secondary spawn points at being near that teleporter. But you can also, you can typically send people directly to your coordinates using a URL. Okay. Uh, you, typically there's gonna be a way where you can just send them, okay, boom, you type in this, type this into your browser, you're gonna end up right at my spot. 
Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So like I'm from DC, so I know typically like a, a condo near the Metro is more valuable than, than something else. That's a, you know, kind of like a spawn point there. Um, and so jumping back, you talked about, you know, putting up like NFTs and stuff within the, the metaverse of your property. Can you kind of explain for the audience what an NFT is, break that down a little bit for us? Please? Right. Yeah. So, so once again, NFT is just a uniquely identifiable digital asset whose ownership can be proven on the blockchain. And, and let me address something real quick. A lot of people make fun of NFTs saying, oh, you can just screenshot it. Well, I'd like you to go and screenshot a plot of virtual land and then go try to resell that. You, you uh -huh, can't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because there's actual ownership that's provable on the blockchain. And if you're not familiar with the blockchain, it's just a public digital ledger, which means records of all these transactions that ever happened. So you can see when somebody actually owns something. And so if you were to take a screenshot of one of these NFTs of a virtual plot of land, go ahead and go inside that metaverse and go try to edit that plot of land that you yeah. think you own with your screenshot. You don't own it. You have to actually purchase that. And so NFTs, anything can be an NFT. We could take a screenshot of this call right here and we can turn that into an NFT. It doesn't mean it's going to be valuable. That's what a lot of people get confused about. NFTs are not valuable just because they're NFTs. They're valuable either because of the art or the artist behind it or the utility behind it. Because not all NFTs are going to be art-based. Those plots of land that are NFTs, they got nothing to do with art. It's the okay. utility behind it because now you own this plot of land inside of one of these metaverses. You can build on it. You can sell it. You can, you can flip it. You can have parties on it, whatever it may be. So NFTs are digital, uh, uniquely identifiable digital assets. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, and so are they, saying this wrong, are they like made of crypto or like I, I, I always hear like Ethereum, I'm saying that correctly, kind of and NFTs kind of use interchangeably or it's not how they bought, like how does crypto and NFTs um, crypto and NFTs are both on the blockchain. So okay. again, the blockchain is just this public, this digital public ledger. So everybody can see all these transactions that have ever happened. You can see who owns what, when they bought it, who they bought it from. You can see all of this information. And so cryptocurrency is based on the technology called the blockchain okay. as are NFTs. And that's the connection. So typically you're going to have to buy NFTs using a cryptocurrency. There's some okay. platforms will allow you to buy using credit cards and debit cards or whatnot, but typically you're going to have to pay in crypto. Okay. And so how do you, how does one like actually go about making an NFT? Like, like for instance, if you want to take a screenshot of this call, how would I make an NFT mm -hmm. out of this? That it's super, super simple. I actually have okay. a free tutorial on my YouTube channel that will okay. guide you through the process. So there are these NFT marketplaces such as OpenSea and Rarible. So these are just two of many NFT marketplaces. And put simply, if you can make a Facebook marketplace listing or you can make an eBay listing, you can make an NFT. There's no technical experience required whatsoever. You literally just go to this website, hit the create button, and you fill in the blanks. You put the, you upload your image, you put the title of it, you put the price that you want, um, you put the royalty percentage, you, you put all this information. Now, that process is actually called lazy minting. So when we hear the term minting, it means the same thing as creating an NFT. Okay. It's not the design process, but it's the process of taking that digital asset, that image or video, whatever it may be, and putting the coding behind it and connecting it to the blockchain to officially turn it into an NFT. So that's the minting process. Okay. So again, I mentioned that it requires some coding. Now, the lazy minting process where you just fill in the blanks, that does not require any coding because it's lazy minting. So they're okay. just going to a uh, generic smart contract template 
which is the code. And they're just gonna fill in the blanks for you and turn that image into an NFT for you. Now, when you see projects that operate at the scale of the Board Ape Yacht Club, for example, where they have 10,000 different NFTs inside of that project, they're not doing that process called lazy minty. They're not going through one by one creating um, each individual NFT instead. They hire custom, uh, they hire a dev team, a team of developers to build them out a custom smart contract and manually deploy that to the blockchain. That's much more intensive, much more technical, and you typically have to have some capital unless you know somebody who can do that coding for you. So those are the two processes. Super easy to make one for yourself, but if you want more control, if you want to operate at a higher scale, you do need a custom smart contract in most cases. And from... Um... The end user, can you tell if it was lazy minting or the um, the in-depth minting just by looking at it, or is it just transparent to the end user? Um, yeah, you can always you can always tell uh, because it's going to be on the blockchain, and if you like, you have to know how to read through code and be able to identify this stuff. Um, but you you could identify that if you wanted to. But I mean, the the layman isn't going to really care. Well, you know what strategy as long as it's a quality project and you know, the concept is is uh, strong okay okay so i've uh, i've lazy minute my uh, nft um i don't know my, my wife buys it for some reason where, where does she hold it like where's the nft actually at? like what happens so that there? nft is going to be held inside of a cryptocurrency wallet okay. so these cryptocurrency wallets they can hold both nfts and cryptocurrency so the number one recommendation is metamask that's my number one recommendation for new people is set yourself up a MetaMask wallet. And so this has a little Fox icon. So this MetaMask wallet, it's a Google Chrome browser extension, and you can also have it on your phone and you can sync those two accounts. But this will allow you to hold your cryptocurrency. And when you create an NFT, it's going to be held inside of there. And then when you put it for sale, once you do make that sale, then the NFT is going to automatically be sent out to whoever bought it, and then you'll receive whatever cryptocurrency was uh, was paid to get that NFT. And then if you buy any other NFTs, it'll go inside that wallet as well. Okay. And so can people see, like, inside your wallet? Like, can they see where it... Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So right now, if, if y'all wanted to, y'all could go on to OpenSea, right? That's one of those NFT marketplaces. You can look up my name, Jared T. Ross. And then you can look inside of my wallet. You can see all these NFTs that I have. You can look at all my history, see what I've done. And if you want to go further, you can copy my public wallet address. Because every wallet, every cryptocurrency wallet will have a public address. That's how people send you stuff. You can copy that. You can go to a website called Etherscan. And this is the blockchain explorer for Ethereum. And so you go on that website, you paste my address. You hit search, and now you can see all transactions I have ever done, both in cryptocurrency and with NFTs. And you can look right inside my wallet, and you can do that with anybody's. So how do we know that your wallet is like your wallet? Because I thought one of the things with crypto was, um, I'm going to mispronounce this word, but and uh, being anonymous, basically. Right. How do we know it's actually you? And it, it depends, because um, I have other wallets that I don't have connected to my identity. Okay. But my my like my main OpenSea profile, it's titled Jared T. Ross. So you know, okay, that's probably him. I talk about it. I tell people, hey, this is my wallet address. So it's really up to the individual. But there's plenty of people who are totally anonymous, okay. um, at, at least to us. Like if the federal government wants to investigate, they could probably track them down. Gotcha. But um, yeah, for, for most people, they can choose if they want to remain anonymous or not. It's really up to them. I've just happened to choose to showcase um, you know, my portfolio uh, to most people, but I, I could have extra wallets that y'all don't know about. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, and you talked a little bit previously about um, a URL. Is that like the web 3.0 thing or like you talked about it? You talked about, um, well, I guess, I guess what, what is web 3.0 and how does that relate to the metaverse? I guess mm-hmm. I just asked that question. So, so web three is, is also a somewhat ill-defined concept, okay. but it's basically the next step of the internet. Because uh, okay. right now, what we know as um, web two is all these, you know, flat surface um, websites and all that. And you don't have true ownership. Web three is more ownership based. Uh, for example, let, let's, I'll highlight a key difference between web three and web two. So um, on web two, we have Instagram, right? Okay. And people sign up for profiles and they create their accounts. Well, somebody years and years ago created an account called the metaverse, right? It was just a, you know, a lady. Um, I think she wasn't even doing anything related to the metaverse, but her name just happened to be metaverse. That was her username. So Facebook recently, as they um, got to this line of business and changed their name, they actually took her Instagram username. Like they just took her account okay. because it was titled metaverse. She didn't do anything wrong. They just, they're like, oh, that's mine. And they just okay. took it. <laughs> now in web three, in, in some cases in Web3, you actually own your username as an NFT, that metaverse I mentioned called Decentraland. If you want to sign up for a username there, you actually turn that username into an NFT and now you own it. Okay. People, so the, the people behind the creators of Decentraland, they can't decide, okay, we want that username. It's ours now. Because it's an NFT, it's on the blockchain. You own that. Okay. So for example... Um, if we want to think of buying a plot of land, right? Let's say we buy a plot of land next to Snoop Dogg. And now the United States government is coming to us and say, hey, we're taking over your, your virtual plot of land next to Snoop Dogg. They can't. <laughs> they can't. They have to pay, they have to pay for that um, or they just have to go somewhere else. They can't just take that, right? Because okay. we have true ownership. So Web3 is truly ownership-based. Okay. And so how does one get on web three? Like I'm on the internet right now and I type in www.whatever.com. Mm-hmm. Like how do I actually get, get on there? Is that, or so you I start interacting, to... right. You start interacting with different platforms that are integrated with web three. So as you get into cryptocurrency, right. As you set up your cryptocurrency wallet, like MetaMask, now you're going to start being able to interact with web three. So this web three world, you now your portal to that is cryptocurrency, is the blockchain. So as you start getting into that space, you'll naturally start finding these platforms. Like they got social media platforms, right? Where people will, instead of just liking your post, every like, you'll earn a tiny little bit of cryptocurrency for that particular platform, right? And you can also, um, if you really want to get into it, you can go and buy a Web3 domain name. So we have .coms for Web2, right? So we got these .coms, but those can be censored. They can be shut down. Now, if you go into Web3 and you go buy yourself a Web3 domain name, like, for example, I have jarrettross.eth, right? Okay. So with that domain name, I have true ownership over it. I could build a website that cannot be censored, that cannot be taken down. It's on the blockchain. So there's nobody really centrally controlling that. So that can't be taken down. Um, and with that address, I can also use it to accept cryptocurrency. Okay. So instead of people copy and pasting this long, complicated series of numbers and letters, which is typically your wallet address, now people can just type in jarrettross.eth if they want to send me something. So that's another way that you can utilize uh, Web3. Oh, okay. Um, 
And as far as jumping back to the um, the virtual real estate, is there like a marketplace? You know, I like can go to um, Zillow and see like plots of mm-hmm. land or not, you know, how it's for sale. Is there like something similar with that? When yeah, it comes it's, like it's going to be open sea. It's oh, okay, be- open sea is pretty much the answer to all those questions. Right, right. And and you have to be very careful though, because when you go on open sea, which again, as a reminder, is that NFT marketplace. When you go on OpenSea, if you just go to the search bar and you search up what you're looking for, like, you know, plots of land, of land in the sandbox, right? You're very likely to encounter some type of scam postings because people can, can create these scam postings that look legit. They're not. So the best route that you can take is Googling or going on Twitter and finding these projects, these metaverses like Somnium Space, Decentraland, Crypto Voxels, et cetera. Find them on Twitter or Google them. And you want to get to their main website. You find okay. their main website. And from there, they'll have a link for you to look at land, which will take you to OpenSea, which is where you can purchase. Oh, okay, because that's a good point. That was going to be my next question. Like, how do you know, like, what's a, what's a scam or not? Especially for, like, a layman, like I think most people are when it comes right. to it, that, So that, That's super important. And I, I do cover that extensively. Um, I, have, I have my course, the NFT equation, but... I have taken my safety and security module from that course and I'm giving it away for free. Okay. Um, and I'm doing that because if people start getting into this NFT and cryptocurrency space and then they get scammed, they often think the whole space is a scam. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's an unpleasant experience as a whole. And I don't want people to have to pay to be safe. And so that's why I took that module and I'm giving that away for free. Um, and you can find a link to that in my, uh, in my bio, or you can go to um, nftequation.com slash safety and you can get that course um, or that module for free to make sure you're safe as you navigate the NFT space. Okay, thank you. If, if you watch on YouTube, it'll be in the description. If you listen to podcasts, it'll be in the description as well. So you can access that there as well. Um, I just lost my train. I said, what question was I just going to ask? Sorry. Um, I just drew a blank. Um, oh, yeah. So what, what what's one um, kind of big misconception about, like, crypto? Some people say that it's um, it's, it's valueless. Some people say, hey, some people thought crypto weighed 100K by the end of last year. Like, what's, what's, what's I guess, what are your thoughts on crypto? And what's probably one big misconception you would say when it comes to uh, crypto? People who say it's, it's, uh, it's worthless or, you know, there's nothing really backing it. Well, it's we're human beings. We just make up the value. Like yeah, we make yeah. up the value of the dollar. We don't have it backed by gold anymore or anything. Yeah. Um, and as as we see, the the crazy part about uh, cryptocurrency and since its inception is we've consistently seen far greater returns than like saving your money in a bank. Right? It, it's really it's it's pitiful when you when you put away money to save in your bank, thinking you're going to accrue interest, and you will at like point. 1%, 0.05%. It's pathetic. Well, you can take that same money, you can convert it into a cryptocurrency called a stable coin, as a matter of fact. So these stable coins um, are pegged to the US dollar value. So meaning they're always going to be a dollar, a dollar and one cent, 99 cents. They're always going to be in that range. And so you can put your money into that and then you can stake it. And when you stake uh, cryptocurrency, you're basically just saying, okay, I'm going to lock it up for this period of time. And in that staking period, staking period, you can earn interest on that. And that interest, 2%, 3%, 5%, 8%, 10%, it just keeps going, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you can stake for a lot more. So it's essentially saving, but you're actually earning interest that makes some movement in your account instead okay. of just a couple of cents, you know, every year. So um, I'm absolutely convinced that cryptocurrency will, will be around 
uh, okay. for the long run. And it's going to be where the world is starting to move towards. And I think gaming, once NFTs and cryptocurrency get more integrated into the gaming world, I think that's going to fuel the mass adoption that we have yet to see with cryptocurrency and NFTs. Oh, okay, thank you. And I, I think one, um, the hesitancy some folks have in kind of diving into the crypto space is how do you actually purchase stuff with it like in real life? Is there, is there a way like I'm going to the, the groceries or I'm going to a movie like that? To me, there doesn't seem to be like any um, everyday use of crypto. Or maybe I'm just not in that in that world. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is there can you use crypto in like everyday things or? Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You you can. Um, it just the mat- it just matters on if they're accepting it. Um, AMC, for example. They're in talks to start accepting, I think it's Bitcoin and Dogecoin um, okay. to, for people to purchase movie tickets. And increasingly, you're going to start walking down the street and you'll see a business that says, we accept crypto. Okay. We accept Bitcoin. So you're going to see that more and more. And already we have this whole world of a uh, whole digital world of this marketplace, both for NFTs and you can go to websites, you can buy um, physical goods with your cryptocurrency. I, I think um, one of one of these headlines years and years ago, some guy spent 10,000 Bitcoin on, on two pieces of, or two two pizzas. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, okay. So, yeah, I guess it's kind of like maybe like credit cards were back in the day. It's probably like, hey, who's going to, you know, give a piece of plastic over to somebody and buy stuff? So you can kind of, yeah, maybe equate it to, mm-hmm. to that. Um, so where, where, where do you see things um, maybe taking off with the with crypto, the metaverse, NFTs, and I don't know, in 2022 and beyond, like DC? Um, I don't know, any, any predictions for the, for the future for any of that? I believe we've already seen record volume on OpenSea um, okay. just, just in this month um, so far. So that's, that's a good sign. But um, I mean, we're still going to have those ups and downs because right? I have those those times where crypto is dipping like right now. And then, you know, people are starting to abandon all hope and then it roars back to life, hits new all time high. Now all these people are excited about it. So we're still going to have these cycles, but I am excited to see a whole lot more adoption, hopefully fueled by gaming okay. uh, this year. And what, what causes those uh, sometimes wild swings? Like I know, you know, if like a, uh... I don't know if Apple stopped drug, maybe there's some some bad news or something like that when, mm. with the company. But what what causes those moves with like cryptocurrency that are sometimes so like so violent up and down? Right. I'm no market market analyst or anything, okay. but it's it's very similar to that same concept. For example, every few years, China says it's going to ban Bitcoin yeah, <laughs> and it takes a, a, a big dump. <laughs> You know, so it's really it is news based. It's development based. You know, what news is coming out with this blockchain? Uh, is there a lawsuit going on? Is the SEC getting harder on cryptocurrency? Is is a big business about to adopt cryptocurrency? Is a big business about to get into NFTs? So it really matters um, on just the market sentiment, how people are feeling, how scared people are and how how excited people are. OK, OK. Um, so I'm see if, if I've learned during this episode. So, so to me, I'm a layman. I want to say, hey, I want to get into this uh, virtual real estate world. So the first thing I would, maybe the second thing I would do is go to like um, to OpenSea. I would maybe look up some some virtual real estate. Then I would uh, make sure it's legit. I'd probably go to their, their website. And um, is there like a maybe a price point I should be looking at? Like I know in, in Dallas, like I know a, a a good property, I'm doing air quotes, maybe like $300,000. Like is there a price mm-hmm. point um, that you kind of layman should be looking at when it comes to? I think the, I think the minimum price um, amongst those three or four metaverses that I mentioned uh-huh. is 11,000, maybe 10,000. 
um, and, and you're getting like the smallest plot of land possible for that price. Um, and, you know, you can, you can go much higher than that. It really depends on what you're looking for. But before you get to that stage, here's what you should be doing. Number okay. one is set up your MetaMask wallet. Or your oh, crypto I, for, I know I forgot one step. Set that one up first. And then go and study and research these different metaverses, okay. right? Because you wouldn't necessarily just jump into any city that has something for sale and buy it. Right. You do some research on it. You see, well, hey, what's going on here? What, what, uh, what future does this city have? Okay. Right. And so you want to analyze these different metaverses. Go look at the Sandbox website. Go look at who's involved in that project. Look at what big brands are buying into it. Then go check out Decentraland. See what people have been doing there. Check out Somnium Space. Check out Crypto Voxels. Go check these worlds out. Really study them and see, okay, my money is on this particular metaverse doing better than these ones. And at that point, now you can go start looking at their land, seeing what makes certain plots of land more valuable than others. Okay. And now you can get your eyes on these plots of land to purchase and then have an idea of what you're going to do with it. Maybe you just hold on to it. No development. Cool. Or maybe you do want to build some type of um, activity for people to come and do there. And then you can drive traffic there. Then you can start getting sponsors there. Or maybe you just want to flip it. It's up to you. But see those platforms and choose one that you have conviction in. So... I've bought a piece of virtual land right now. I've, mm -hmm. I've sat on it. It's it's five years later. It, it it's blowing up in value. How do people even contact me to sell it? Are they hitting me through the the wallet or the open space? Like how do people get open, to open see open see? All you do is do yeah. So you buy it and now you can see it on your open see account. You click on it, you hit the sell button, and you list you list whatever price that you want. Now, if people really did want to contact you and try to negotiate, for example, what they could do if you have your identity connected to your OpenSea profile, like you can link your Twitter and Instagram website oh, okay. and all that, then they can reach out to you um, via one of those platforms and then follow up like, hey, look, I see you got this land for sale. Um, I think this is a more reasonable offer. Or people can literally just click make offer right there on your listing. So you may have it listed for 100K. Someone can hit make offer and they'll offer you 80K. And then okay. you can decide from there if you want to accept that or not. All right. And what are your, what would say the, the top two, in your opinion, just as far as metaverse, like where you would start if you were um, a, a layman? Right. Um, if I was brand new, I think a very easy world to get into is going to be crypto voxels. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily want that to be where I buy the land, but I think it's a great introduction because it's very user-friendly. So crypto right. voxels. So you can just type that into your browser and you can join it. Some of these other worlds are more intensive on your computer. So they might require more advanced computers um, or they just might uh, require a download. So CryptoVox is probably the easiest way to begin understanding what the metaverse is um, okay. by actually interacting with it. But if I wanted to buy some lands, I would probably be looking at the sandbox. The sandbox because of you know the, the recent development of it. Um, it's coming out with its, it's finally releasing in uh, should be sometime this year, but they've had already, they're doing land sales. They've had an alpha version of their game for early adopters. And they have a lot of um, corporate adoption. A lot of big brands are buying into there. A lot of celebrities are buying land in there. They have a lot planned. And they have a big emphasis on gamification of everything, okay. which is really, really cool. So Sandbox is probably where I would look to uh, to buy some lands. Okay. And how do I maneuver around? Am I like, so let's go, go back to the GTA thing. Am I like on a computer and just for like a better term with a controller maneuvering around? Do I have VR goggles? 
all of the above? Like, how do I? Move it it depends. It depends on the metaverse. Some of okay. these metaverses will be compatible with virtual reality, so you can put on your Oculus headset and you can play that way. But most of them are going to have a feature where you can just play using your computer, mouse, and keyboard. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you. That, that was a lot of information. Thank you. Hopefully, I asked the right questions. I don't know. Is there anything like I missed? Where like, um, you know, you you could I could touch on this or that. Is there anything like, hey, um, just kind of like a catch-all thing you can think of? I don't know if there's anything kind of kind of missed. I would just say take your time. Uh, take your time in this space. It's There's going to be a learning curve if you don't have experience in cryptocurrency and NFTs already. There's going to be a learning curve. It's going to be worth it because okay. I guarantee you this is inevitable. This is the world that we are moving towards. So you can either get ahead now or you can play catch up later. Okay. It's really up to you. But getting into this space is vital. Uh, this is where the it's, you know, it's pretty much written. This is where the world is going to go, whether you like it or not. So it's best to just garner an early understanding of the space and you're probably going to have some headaches along the way, but it will be worth it. Okay, cool. Appreciate it. And so my, my last question I always ask folks is um, you have a million dollars, you have to spill it. You have seven days to spend it on real estate adjacent stuff, but what do you do with it? Mm. Okay, got a million dollars, a million dollars in Ethereum. That's that's a cryptocurrency I would be spending. Okay. I would buy land in each of those metaverses. Okay. And I would hire someone to develop something on that land for all of them. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. So uh, once again, um, you know, where can folks find you? Um, you know, plug your products. Everything he mentions will be in the description to this this episode. But um, yeah, let the folks know where to find you. Absolutely, I am Jared T. Ross on all platforms. You look that up, you're gonna find me. That's where I'm at. Um, and then, if you want to learn more about NFTs, which includes this virtual real estate, you can go to nftequation.com. Okay. And this is a full, a fully fledged. It's five hours of highly structured content. One of my gifts is explaining things to people and allowing them to get involved in this space. And so this is a highly structured course with over five hours of content. And in Q1 of 2022, I will be doubling the amount of content in there. So okay. buy in, you get lifetime access and lifetime updates. So as I continue to learn and grow in the NFT space, so too does that course. Okay. And so too does the value of that course for the people who are enrolled in it. Okay, awesome. And so I do have one more question. I know we just kind of did the, sure. the wrap up. So I think we I see a lot of times online where people are promoting NFTs and stuff like that. It's, hey, I bought this NFT for, I don't know, $5,000 in, in January. It's February. It's worth $100,000. First off, that, that seems like obviously I would assume that's the anomaly. Like what, what is going on there? Like how, how do those prices seem to jump so quick with certain certain projects? It depends on the adoption um, okay. and the utility behind the, these projects and yeah a lot of people get lucky and then they they leverage that to um to you know grow their brand or get a, yeah. a big video what i teach inside that course amongst other things i take you from a through c but i teach uh, strategic project analysis okay. which is why i've hit like three 10x's in the last uh 30 to 60 days okay. of these projects that i get into and then they you know multiply by 10x in their value and so yeah it is is not common to see these projects like the Board Ape Yacht Club, but a two, three, four, five X, 
that's fairly common if you get okay. into these projects that have solid foundations. So what brings those pricing, um, those price increases is the community. So if I buy into a project, we collectively as a community, we get to set that minimum price because we get to list it at whatever the hell we want. So okay. we, can, we can buy into an NFT for one Ethereum. Now, if we collectively lose faith in that project, that floor price is going to start creeping down. It's going to go to like half an Ethereum. But if we are really excited, if the, the founding team continues to add value and more utility, more benefits of ownership, then that price might go to 1.5, might go to 2 ETH. You know, it just keeps increasing. So it really depends on the relationship between the founding team and the community. Okay, cool. That, that was a good good wrap up. I equated jumping back to real estate. It's kind of probably like buying a, like a house in a new construction neighborhood where there's literally no houses. They build the first mm-hmm. home. That's the comparable sale is that first house. And hopefully it only goes goes up from there. So, right, right. Yeah. So, um, like I said, really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. That was a topic um, that I was uh, totally, uh, oh, it's totally, um, what do you, green thumb or whatever the term mm-hmm. is. Um, thanks for your time. There's not an outro to this podcast. So, that is it. Thank you. <laughs>